welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Sharon Fairley, Democratic candidate for Illinois Attorney General. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jordan, for having me. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. So for starters, could you tell us about your background and what brought you to run for Attorney General? I was born in Washington, D.C., and I was born into the Jim Crow era, and I was a young girl in the 60s during the height of the civil rights movement, and I was raised by these two amazing public servants, both who worked in education. My mom was a first grade teacher, and my dad worked for the federal government, and they both raised me to believe that I could do or be anything that I wanted to do or be and that I should go out and get an education and then try to use it to make the world a better place. And so that's what I've tried to do. I got an undergraduate degree from Princeton in engineering, and then I got an MBA from the Wharton School, and I went to work in in the business world for a while. But ultimately, after 9-11, I kind of reached a point in my life where I started to think about what I wanted my personal legacy to be, and I decided I really didn't want it to be about making money. I really wanted to dedicate my life to public service. So I went back to school, and that's what brought me to Illinois. I came here to go to law school at the University of Chicago on the south side of Chicago, and I got my law degree, and ever since then I've represented the citizens of Illinois. I first started out as an assistant attorney general, then I was a federal prosecutor, then I worked for the city of Chicago in the office of the inspector general, and I led an agency responsible for police misconduct investigations. Serving as attorney general is kind of the logical next extension for me in my service to the citizens of Illinois as an attorney. So I'm really excited about it. So what do you see as the primary role of a state attorney general? And what does that role entail in Illinois in particular? So the attorney general has a lot of responsibilities. The attorney general is the top, you know, the top lawyer for the state. And so the attorney general is the primary representative for the citizens and also represents the the, the state government in, in all legal matters. But in my view, the primary responsibility of the Attorney General is to protect the civil rights and the health and well-being of Illinois citizens. And the Attorney General must really be the one who can stand up for us and to stand up for for the people in the state who don't have necessarily the resources, the wherewithal to to stand up for themselves. And so that's a really important component uh, of the Attorney General. And I really believe that the Attorney General has an important role to play on a lot of fronts when it comes to making sure that legislation is, is legally sound and in the best interest of our citizens, and then also working to advocate for sound policies, for example, in the area of uh, environmental protection, where the Attorney General's powers are, are quite broad. But I would like to focus the office a little bit more on rooting out government corruption throughout our state, and also promoting public safety, because I believe that there are some statewide issues that the Attorney General can really work on to help make our communities safer places for us all to live. So you're in a pretty crowded race that includes a former governor of Illinois. What makes you the most qualified to fulfill the roles and responsibilities of Attorney General? Well, you know, I have this really unique personal and professional experiences in my background that I think make me the most qualified to do the job. I I believe that I've experienced doing complex litigation. I have prosecutorial experience and I have uh, experience in a range of legal areas from criminal law to civil as well as administrative law. And of course, you know, I come to it as not a politician. So I don't have any 
preformed allegiances or relationships with political leaders or special interest groups that would get in the way of my ability to, to make decisions that are in the best interest of the citizens. And so I think when you add it all up, for example, you want an attorney general working to reform the criminal justice system who really understands it. And because I was a federal prosecutor, I, I worked in the criminal justice system and I have a perspective on it. You want an attorney general working on public safety issues that has some perspective and experience in that. And I've worked side by side with law enforcement on trying to prevent crime and prosecute crime. We want an attorney general who is using litigation to advance the interests of the citizens and the state. And I have experience with complex litigation. There's some people in this race who have absolutely no experience, even though they're lawyers, they're not litigators, they have no lit litigation experience. So when you look at the other candidates in the race, there may be people who are lawyers, but they don't have prosecutorial experience or investigative experience or complex litigation experience. Even the formal federal prosecutors in this race, I, I have broader legal experience than, than they do because I didn't just work on, for example, political corruption. I worked on violent crimes and drug and narcotics and firearms trafficking. So when you look at all the boxes that need to be checked to have someone who's qualified to do the job, I, I'm really the only one in the race that checks them all between experience and independence. And I think it's for that reason that we now have seven newspapers from all over the state of Illinois, including the three largest here in, in Chicago, the Chicago Tribune, the Chicago Sun-Times, and the Daily Herald, um, who have all endorsed my campaign out of all, other, all the eight other people in the race. So I think that my background has, it really stands out in, the, in this crowd. You know, for this reason, I, I think I'm the most qualified. So before we get into some of the specifics on policies in your background, I'd like to talk about one of the greatest powers of the Attorney General, which is how they use their office to define crime. Now, of course, it's the legislative branch that has the power to define what crime is, but we've seen top prosecutors circumvent oppressive legislation by, for example, in North Carolina, refusing to use the office of AG to defend HB2, or in Philly, refusing to move forward on marijuana convictions. There's a growing movement to elect progressive candidates to top prosecutorial positions, candidates who understand that our criminal justice system has historically criminalized symptoms of systemic issues such as poverty and homelessness rather than addressing the core problems and oftentimes even worsening them. With all that being said, how would you, as Attorney General, use your office to attempt to define or redefine crime? Well, this is a really important role for the person who takes over this job from here. We know that our criminal justice system, there is systemic injustice, you know, built into the system. And I do believe that it's the role of the attorney general to participate in the process to try to break down those systemic barriers to justice and fairness in, in our criminal justice system. And that in includes the discretion to decide, you know, when and which laws to enforce and, and how. And so the wonderful thing about the Office of the Att Illinois Attorney General is there's a great deal of discretion in the way that the, that the person in the role can execute her powers. And I believe that this is one of the m most profound ways in which the Attorney General can help improve public safety in our state is by helping to address these systemic aspects of injustice in the criminal justice system, whether it's working on bail reform, whether it's working on the serious over-incarceration problem that we have, whether it's helping to address 
persons who are coming out of incarceration and trying to rebuild their lives and helping to remove those barriers to success, whether it's barriers to employment or education. Um, so there's a lot of things that the attorney general can actually do in this area. So you just mentioned a lot of important things the attorney general can do. What are your top priorities going to be should you be elected? Because protection of civil rights on health and our well-being is, is at the core, that's always going to be to me, a very top priority. We need to make sure that we are protecting the right to vote, that we are protecting people's health and the clean air and water and land, and that we're protecting people against exploitive business practices or overreach of, of government agencies. So that's always going to be at a core, a very important function. But I also believe that the office should play a much more proactive and strategic role on two fronts. One is rooting out government corruption, and the other one is public safety. And when I say public safety, I'm referring to really three areas of focus. One is fixing the broken criminal justice system. The second is evidence-based crime-fighting solutions. And then the third is getting to constitutional policing and community-oriented policing. So those are the areas in which I would place more emphasis in the office going forward. So you've served as chief administrator of the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. Could you tell us how you would bring that experience to the Office of Attorney General in terms of fighting for constitutional policing, as you just mentioned? Yeah, my experience by uh, serving as the chief administrator over the agency that sees, investigates police misconduct is really important to the role of Attorney General because, as we all know, thankfully, Attorney General Madigan took the important step of seeking court-monitored oversight of the reform of the Chicago Police Department. And because I've spent a, a fair amount of time working on police accountability and police reform, I'm really the only candidate in this race that has direct experience in that realm, and I look forward to bringing that experience to bear uh, when it comes to working as attorney general. But many of the issues and challenges we face with regard to police accountability here in Chicago are not limited to Chicago. These, there, there are, these are statewide issues. When we talk about the challenges we face and the use of force and the use of lethal force by law enforcement and then how those kinds of incidents are investigated, those things are, st are statewide issues that I believe can benefit from statewide solutions. And so I look forward to bringing that expertise and experience to the office to make some headway. And because I believe that it's really important that the communities have trust in the law enforcement agencies that, that serve them. And without that trust, it, our, our public safety definitely suffers. And so the attorney general, I believe, can play a role in helping to rebuild that trust by making sure that law enforcement agencies have the right policies in place and the legal infrastructure in place to, to function well. So another top priority of yours is fixing our criminal justice system. On a fundamental level, what do you see as the purpose of our criminal justice system? You know, there's lots of debate about why we need to punish people for crimes, right? I mean, there's lots of reasons we, why we would do that. You know, at the heart, at the core of, of punishment is the idea of retribution. You want to get back for the harm that was caused. But there are other reasons as well. There's the deterrent value of punishment. And then there's also the rehabilitative value or the incapacitation value, meaning you keep someone in jail because they you, you want to keep them from being in a position to be able to harm people. So these are all sort of these are the sort of theories behind punishment when you when you think of it from a philosophical perspective. But in, in my view, the primary reason that we want 
people incarcerated is really if they're if they are a danger to the community, we want to we want to keep the community safe, and and we should be using our criminal justice system in a way that doesn't produce uh, individuals that cannot function in society. And so that, that's a problem that we definitely need to address. We know that approximately 50% of the individuals who come out of the Illinois Department of Corrections are, are back in the system within three years. And what we are going to continue to see, in my view, a problem with over-incarceration until we address the challenges that individuals coming out of jail face and help them provide solutions or identify solutions that will enable them to get back into productive lives as citizens. And so that's definitely one of the areas that I want to work on. When I think about criminal justice reform, there's really a few things that are entailed by that. You know, obviously dealing with over-incarceration, which means I believe focusing on trying to keep people out of the system who don't really need to be there. So juveniles, uh, people with drug addiction, you know, there are diversion programs that can be implemented that are very effective at moving people into treatment and providing support services rather than putting them in jail. Um, I believe sentencing reform is also going to be an important aspect of how we deal with, with the over-incarceration problem. We need to address the, the broken bail systems. We need to stop locking people up merely because they don't have the money to pay bail. And so we know that, for example, here in Cook County, about 62% of inmates in the Cook County jail system are, are there merely because they can't afford their bail. And that, that doesn't really make any sense. We should only be detaining individuals because we believe that they are a risk of either non-appearance, meaning that they're not going to show up to, to court or they're going to flee, or they're a risk to to date to themselves or to, to the community. Um, and so these are all areas of the system that I think we can work on. And then, as I said before, there are, I believe there is, you know, systemic bias in, in the system overall, and we've got to figure out how to break the system down and, and try to eliminate or reduce that bias to the extent possible. So I think that there are some practical, organizational, legal, and policy solutions to help uh, put us in the right direction on that front. So I'm looking forward to participating in that. Illinois has a pretty bad track record in terms of government corruption. I believe that half of your last eight governors went to prison. What would you do as attorney general to ensure government accountability and promote real lasting reform? Well, I think the attorney general really has a big, big role to play here. Uh, and the, f the first and most important thing is to really lead by example. And so the attorney general ne really needs to be beyond reproach when it comes to integrity and ethics, because otherwise it's really hard for that person to call somebody else out if you don't have your own house in order. So we start there. But then I believe that, you know, there's a number of things that the attorney general can and should do to promote integrity and transparency in our government going forward. I would like to see changes made to the statute that governs the office of the legislative inspector general so that that office can become a better, a stronger, more independent watchdog of our legislators in terms of accountability. But I also believe that the attorney general can play an important role in advising governments throughout the state at all levels of government on how to put the checks and balances in place to hold government employees and elected officials accountable when they've done something wrong. So when it comes to rooting out 
government corruption, not every case will necessarily be appropriate for, for example, filing criminal charges and, and putting someone in jail. But you can have misconduct that nonetheless is serious enough that you want to take action about it, either by sanctioning an employee or an official or firing them. And so we need to make sure that government agencies have the policies and procedures in place to do just that. Not every municipality, for example, can afford an inspector general's office. So we need to make sure that, the, you know, where they don't have that kind of uh, system in place to, to root out corruption, that, they, that there are still uh, roles and policies and procedures on how they can deal with situations where they do want to hold someone accountable. And I, I think the attorney general can play a big role in that. So I'm looking forward to that as well, since I've had a lot of experience doing that as the first deputy inspector general. So the, and then the last place is, you know, the attorney general's office is the home of the public access counselor, which is the, uh, the, the office that really resolves disputes regarding the Freedom of Information Act and the Open Meetings Act. And so that's another area where the Attorney General can have a very profound effect on uh, government transparency by making the right rulings on cases that come before the Public Access Counselor when there's disputes over whether or not a government agency should turn over information to the public. So I think that there's a lot of opportunity to improve the efficiency of that office. So one of the biggest scandals in the Illinois government right now the House Speaker Michael Madigan used his power to shield abusers. Can you tell us your thoughts on this, as well as how you would help further the Me Too movement as Attorney General? You know, this is a very troubling and concerning issue that we've confronted over the last several months. Learning about these incidences of misconduct, how there were complaints that were made about miscon sexual misconduct in particular, that just kind of piled up because... No one in the office of legislative inspector general in that office had remained unfilled for three years. And I believe that our legislative leaders, and in fact, the entire General Assembly is accountable for that. I mean, the legislative leaders, the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate are amongst those that are supposed to make sure that the, that office is, is filled by law. And I, I believe that this is a very serious deficit on, on the part of the Speaker. And that's why I actually have called for him to step down. Um, under my leadership as a Attorney General, I would always myself uh, make sure that that office is, is filled and populated with an individual that's going to do quality, independent investigations of sexual misconduct and any other kind of misconduct that falls within the jurisdiction of the office. Um, I've also recommended some specific changes to the statute that governs the Office of the Legislative Inspector General to improve the independence of that function. But we need to make sure that we have a system in place where women or other individuals who've experienced sexual misconduct can go where they feel safe reporting allegations and where they can actually feel confident that a quality independent investigation will be undertaken on a base of, of, of the basis of their complaint. And, and this is something that I have experienced doing as the chief administrator of, of COPA um, and as the deputy chief inspector general. So I'm looking forward to bringing that experience to the office. As we've seen over the past year or so, attorney generals can play a huge role in combating the Trump agenda. What would you do to protect Illinois from the Trump administration's assault on civil liberties and progress? This is one of the most exciting possibilities about the opportunity to serve as attorney general, because I believe that the Trump administration is really trying to promulgate policies on a number of fronts that are just patently racist, regressive, and definitely harmful 
to the citizens of our state. And so I look forward to having a personal role to play at pushing it back against those policies, whether it's protecting our right to vote, our voting rights, whether it's failure to enforce environmental law, where the attorney general has to step in to do that kind of enforcement, uh, whether it's the policies pulling back against protections for students who've been subject to fraudulent student loans. So there's just so many, so many areas where the attorney general has a role to play through litigation, through advocating for strong federal policies and working, encouraging Congress to and having a legislative agenda that we want to put forth at the federal and the state level. This is one of the reasons why the Office of Attorney General has just become so incredibly important today, um, not only because of the work that the Attorney General does to protect uh, citizens within the state and enforcing you know, state law and law within the state, but because the attorney general is now part of this really incredibly important coalition of state's attorneys general across the country who have formed this coalition to be that line of defense against the Trump administration and who are making a lot of headway um, when it comes to litigating to prevent certain harmful policies from being fully enacted. And so this is an area where Every attorney general has to be vigilant and where there are issues or challenges where I believe that the citizens of Illinois are most likely to be affected or will be affected more seriously than perhaps other states. I, I want to be in a taking a, a leadership role amongst that coalition to make sure that our folks are getting the protection that they need. And lastly, how can folks get involved in your campaign and where can they find you online? Sure. Well, there's lots to do where they can help with the campaign. They can volunteer to do phone banking um, within our office or from home. They can send out information on social media. So find us at www.sharonfairley.com. And we're also on Facebook at fairly for ag F-A-I-R-L-E-Y-F-O-R-A-G. We'd be delighted to hear from you and would really love to have your support in, in making us make history. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today. Uh, I'd like to remind our listeners that the primary for Illinois is on the 20th. It's the second statewide primary of 2018. So this is very important. If you are in Illinois, make sure you're ready to vote. And Sharon, thank you again so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was it was great. And I'm really delighted to be able to have the chance to talk with your listeners. Thank you so much. Of course. And to our listeners again, if you are interested in hearing more interviews with candidates from Illinois and other upcoming elections, make sure to follow Millennial Politics on social media, subscribe to our newsletter at millennialpolitics.co, and stay tuned for the next episode of our podcast. Thanks for listening.